Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Welcome to the Loma Linda University Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by the message. On your way into worship this morning, you received a little purple bag containing the emblems of the Lord's Supper. Would you remove those emblems at this time? And as you hold them in your hands, the little can of grape juice representing the spilled blood of Christ, the large wafer representing his broken body, we're going to pray in just one moment. I would like to make certain that everybody received a bag on your way in this morning. We have young folk walking the aisles right now. If you did not receive one, would you kindly raise your hand and they will find you and make certain that you have a bag. Don't be timid. We want to make sure that every single person is able to participate wherever you are in the church. Let's actually just go ahead and open the cans all together. <laughs> we may as well do it that way. See what power there is in unity? <laughs> Hold your hand up if you did not receive a bag. And now you hold those emblems in your hands. The Lord's broken body, the Lord's spilled blood, the symbols thereof. As you do so, would you pray with me? Gracious God, we come to this moment recognizing that for not hundreds, but for 2,000 years of Christian history, we have done this not only in remembrance of Jesus, but in the promise of the coming kingdom. We today ask your blessing on these simple physical symbols that they might nourish not only our bodies, but this body of Christ, that we might be strengthened to live your love in the world. In the name of Jesus, amen. I must ask you one additional item. When the service ends, if you would be so kind as to not leave the receptacles here, but to place them in the containers outside, our crew would be most appreciative of that. On that night so long ago, the disciples partook of the meal as Jesus taught. In the same way, we here today invite you to participate as the teaching of the word unfolds. And so Jesus said to them, Take, eat, this is my body, 
Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood. The story is told. It comes from old clippings in a newspaper, so take it for what it's worth. But it's the story told of how England received the news of the outcome of that most significant battle at Waterloo. A battle fought between the English General Wellington and the French General Napoleon. Much rode on the outcome of that battle. Certainly there in England there was much uncertainty, much anxiety as to what would happen and what that would mean for their future. What would it mean not only for the future of England, but what would it mean for the future of all of Europe? And the news finally came. In a day long preceding technology, the news would come by means of semaphores. Signalmen every so often who would semaphore to the next one what it was that had happened. The first signalman semaphored from the ship in the English Channel. One word at a time. First came the word Wellington, and it was passed on. Next came the word defeated, and it was passed on. And then as so often happens in that land, the fog descended. It was not only the fog that was literal and made visibility impossible, but it was the fog of despondency, despair, and defeat. Because as they had waited for the outcome of that battle that would determine their future, they finally received word, Wellington defeated, and the future got dark. We're on a journey. A journey with two legs. Last night, we took the first leg of the journey here together, the leg of the journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It was a long day's journey into night. Those two disciples, only one of whom we know the name, Cleopas, abandoned the city of Jerusalem where their dreams had been crushed, where their hopes had been dashed where the future turned dark. We saw that their journey could be defined by four words from Luke 24, but we had hoped. But we had hoped. Past tense. But this is a two-leg journey. Not just one leg, but two. If last night's journey could be titled A Long Day's Journey Into Night, then the second leg of the journey that we take this morning could be titled A Short Night's Journey Into Day. Because something happens at the midpoint. A dramatic turnaround, a remarkable reversal. Read it with me again about this second leg of the journey in Luke Chapter 24, beginning with verse 25. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Two legs to the journey. We had hoped a long day's journey into night. And now this one. A short night's journey in today. It's a deeply emotional journey. Last night, the emotions were one of helplessness and hopelessness, captured in those words, but we had hoped. But today, the emotions are as diametrically opposed as they could possibly be. In fact, there are seven words in today's journey that capture just how deeply emotional this leg of the journey was for them as well. And those words were, were not our hearts burning within us? Were not our hearts on fire within us? Did we not feel within us the glow of a newborn, newfound, and somewhat newfangled hope? Were not our hearts burning within us? The question is, what happened? What happened halfway through that journey to so dramatically alter their emotional experience? Luke answers that question very simply. Two things happened. The first thing that happened, Luke tells us, is as the stranger journeyed with them, as he listened to their despondency and their sorrow, he began to open to them the Scriptures. And as they listened to his exegetical insights, they suddenly came to interpret what had happened back there in Jerusalem increasingly differently as they came to understand more fully and more deeply Moses and all the prophets, they begin to say in their own minds, is it possible, is it actually possible that what happened that destroyed our hopes actually had God at work within it? And their hearts caught fire. That's the first thing that happened. The second thing that happened was as they sat down at the table, as they sat down for the meal, we don't know for certain 
Was it just a normal, ordinary meal? Or was there something about how it unfolded that reminded them of that upper room experience just a few days before? Because Luke says, in the breaking of the bread, suddenly they said, it's the Lord. And scales fell from their eyes. And their hearts were now on fire. Were not our hearts burning within us? I'd like to read to you a little piece written by an educator, writer, pastor named Joe Lamusio. Listen to Lamusio's words, listen to his questions. If I were to ask you to describe Easter without using any words and you could only use punctuation marks, which punctuation mark would you choose to describe this Easter for yourself? Maybe this Easter is a comma for you. It makes you stop, pause, think, and listen, but that's about it. Perhaps today is a downer. A big, bold period. You thought you'd feel excited, but instead it seems more like empty ritual. You feel like you're not on the inside, but on the outside, an onlooker, not a participant. It was a day when life felt like a period for Jesus' disciples. He was dead. He was buried. An end to expectations. But wait. News of an empty tomb. The period is no longer a period. It's now a question mark. That's even worse than a period. Now they're beginning to doubt. Where is he? They're perplexed. The guards are gone. The stone is rolled away. He is not there. And if not there, where? An angel speaks. Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here but has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and how he must be crucified, and on the third day he must rise again. Of course they now remembered. The periods are gone. The question marks are removed. There is but one massive exclamation point. That's what Easter is all about, an exclamation of gratitude and of praise for the resurrection of Jesus Christ and for the salvation his victory over death brought to us. Were not our hearts burning within us? It's a short night's journey in today. But it forces me to ask of us, of you and me, the question, are there moments in our own lives and experiences when we can truthfully say that our hearts burn within us, that our hearts are on fire at the news that has come? My fear is that we can very seldom say that. There's a Twitter, a warmth, Maybe a glow, but it fades. Why is that? Why can we not as fully say, were not our hearts burning within us?
Well, there's the obvious. The eyewitness experience can be dramatically different from the experience of the observer 2,000 years later. The obvious. But maybe there's something else. Maybe we have not fully experienced what the second leg of the journey means to the first leg of the journey. So I want to ask you to do something for me. It's not fun, but if you would, I want you to go back in your mind. A journey in your mind may be a short or a long journey, but go back in your mind to the worst thing you've ever experienced. Don't linger there long, but travel back. Where do you find yourself? Do you find yourself at that moment when you got word of your board's result? You've taken boards and taken it and taken it. This is probably your last shot. You've invested everything into your study. And the results come and they say, failed. You don't even read that word as failed. You read it as failure. Worst moment, darkest moment of your life. Or did you journey to a dimly lit funeral chapel where your heart has disintegrated the tears don't even flow yet. They're somehow frozen within you. Because you keep asking, how could she? I knew she struggled. I knew she was in a hard place. But we knew each other. We were best buds. How could she? Is that where you went? Or maybe you went to a courtroom. A courtroom where you sit glaring. All the pent-up fury, the pent-up rage focused through your eyes, glaring at that person just over there, that person who not that many years ago, you said, I do, too. That person with whom you huddled together and held that tiny bundle of life. We did this. She's precious. And now, Kramer versus Kramer. As one Kramer fights the other Kramer for the little Kramer. Devastating. Where did you go? That worst moment, that first leg of the journey, that long day's journey into night. Wherever you went, what the stranger did with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus contains a message for you. 
with apologies to Max Lucado from whom I've adapted the words. That message is very simple. With Jesus, who stands victorious over a broken tomb, failure is never final. Failure is never final. Death is never the last word. And goodbye is never the last statement. That's what it means. Wherever that dark place is for you, Jesus stands there. Jesus speaks to you. And Jesus says to you, this, this, this is what has destroyed you. I understand. But this is not the end. This is not the last word. Because there's a second leg to the journey. And if you allow that to wash over you, that failure is never final, that death is never fatal, that goodbye is never the last statement, if you allow that to wash over you, you may discover that your heart is set on fire. Because there is a tomorrow. Regardless of what it may look like now, Tim Keller, preacher and author, tells the story of an Italian pastor standing in a cemetery, standing looking at a grave that had been there for one, two centuries. The, 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 the story was told in the words that had been engraved on that virtual concrete slab from whatever it was made. Obviously, the person here buried had not believed in the resurrection, did not wish to believe in the resurrection, wanted nothing to do with God, and wanted that made utterly and absolutely clear. Because engraved there were words that said, there is no resurrection. I want no part of that belief. And I will make certain to make that clear. And so whatever material they had used, it was basically a concrete slab over his grave so that there could be no mistaking. Nobody's coming up out of here. But it just so happened that buried in the earth beneath the slab was an acorn. an acorn that slowly and surreptitiously began to grow year after decade. So as this Italian pastor stood looking at this slab that had been broken in pieces and the mighty oak that rose above it, he said, Death is not final. Because there is a power greater than the biological power of the acorn. 
And then Tim Keller, reflecting on the story told, says these words, The minute you decide to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It's the power of the resurrection, the same thing that raised Jesus from the dead. Think of the things you see as immovable slabs in your life, your bitterness, your insecurity, your fears, your self-doubts. Those things can be split and rolled off. The more you know him, the more you grow in the power of the resurrection. And then you start to feel the warmth as your heart is set on fire. And so the news came. By means of semaphore, the decisive battle, what is our future? Wellington, defeated, and the fog descended. But the fog does not last forever. And the moment came when the fog lifted. And those signalmen went to work again, for the message had not been complete. Now, one word at a time, came the complete message. Wellington defeated the enemy. We have won. And over all of England, it could have been said, that their hearts burned within them. For you who have taken that first leg of the journey, that long day's journey in tonight, Jesus has a word for you. He says to you, failure is never final. Death is never fatal. Goodbye is never the last word. And you can take that short night's journey in today because Christ the Lord is risen he is risen indeed find more podcasts videos church events and how you can support the Loma Linda University Church at LLUC.org.